Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome, friends, to another uh, edition of Disciple Making. I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Ride. Uh, t- today, we're going to look inside uh, the church, the body of Christ, and really identify which of the gifts have really been um, given to the church to allow us uh, to make disciples that make disciples. Um, uh, in our last podcast, we have uh, seeing that really the, the gift of teaching is the, the dominant one in churches today. And uh, you've got some uh, views on that as well, Darren. But but why don't you jump in and, and unpack some of these gifts for us? Sure. Yeah, we're looking at the contrasts in how the church is led and developed, church leadership contrasts. And we're looking here at equipping gifts. And the contrast is in a legacy church, the emphasis is on shepherds and teachers. Yeah. And in functional disciple-making movements, the emphasis is on the five functions described in Ephesians 4. And let me read that. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, in other words, shepherd, teachers. That's where we get the phrase, APEST, the acronym APEST, that describes these five functions that are required to effectively make disciples. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, before going on air, uh, we were talking about just legacy churches. And to our experience, neither of us have really uh, experienced any church that has emphasized all of these five gifts in this way. Uh, and it always reverts back to, yeah, we look after people through, through the gift of shepherding and we teach people through the gift of teaching. And then that's where sort of where the pastoral role lands. Uh, but this is expanded for very important reasons, Darren. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason is it comes back through the lens of how are disciples made. And disciples are not made just through teaching. Now, now it is important, I think, Tim, to note that there are different different takes on this passage that, you yeah. know, there's a, a fairly common take on this, that it's a statement of hierarchy, you know, with the apostles at the top and the, yeah. you know, the, the pastors, shepherds, teachers at the bottom. And, and, you know, that shows up in some really unhealthy ways. I, I had a friend went to a church and he was the new pastor in the church and someone walked up to him and said, if the prophets of the church yeah. discern the church to go in a certain direction, will you submit to that? Yeah. And he's like, as lead pastor, he's like, what? <laughs> no. Exactly. And so there's there's a controlling issue there. But the problem, I think, Tim, in our legacy church context is we wouldn't say it's a hierarchy, yet we've taken the shepherd teachers and put yeah. them at the top yeah. and built our churches, local churches, and even our larger organization around the shepherd teaching functions. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the challenges is just who speaks with authority on behalf of the church. And obviously, if Jesus is the head, he has given those with the gift of uh, you know, prophecy and and apostleship uh, and evangelism. We're more familiar with the evangelism shepherds and teachers, but uh, a lot of people think when they think of the, the word or even gift of apostleship, they, they simply think of the um, uh, New Testament apostles. And after that, uh, that just one went away. But uh, it, it's 
Uh, would it be helpful to give a bit of a definition for some of these, Darren, so that people well, know what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah it might be helpful. <laughs> you know, and, and there, there's a lot of takes on some of this stuff. Like, what what does each actually mean? And yeah. I've got different frameworks I've come across. And uh, I kind of like this one from Luke Johnson, where he says, you know, the apostle says, let's do this. <laughs> the prophet says, don't forget this. The evangelist says, can I tell you this? The shepherd, are you okay wow. with this? Teacher, this is what this means. I mean, there's exactly. different ways, but I think the thing that's really been helpful for, for our group uh, as we've been working some of this through, Tim, is to understand that these five functions, Jesus functioned in all those ways. Exactly. exactly. Therefore, as the body of Christ, we should be functioning in all those ways. And they're not, you know, they're not in a disciple-making context. They're not seen as an authority structure. Yeah, these aren't even seen as offices so much, or even just spiritual gifts, but rather functions of the body. Part of the DNA of all God's people, and different people will will kind of function in in one or two of these areas more than the others. But the DNA of Christ is in all of us. Yeah, and there exactly. needs to be balance in the body in all these roles for disciples to truly be made in a well rounded way. Yeah, and, and the reason that the gifts are given to the body is not to build up individuals and their gifts, uh, but to find unity and unity in what? Not not just to keep peace in the camp, mm. but but to be so unified that we are aligned with the call and commission of Jesus to go into the world to make disciples. And then when we look at these gifts through those lenses, we realize that he has actually equipped the church, the body of believers to actually accomplish this and be led by those who have gifts uh, that can lead us on and we can follow their God-given giftedness in this as well. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure how familiar our listeners would be with Alan Hirsch, but he's, you know, one of the, the fathers of the whole missional movement and certainly in disciple making. And, you know, and, and I would describe him, you know, he's a deep thinker, theological, philosophical, so many layers, uses a lot of big words, but he said this about this principle here. He said, APEST, this, this, this functional ministry we're talking about, is almost a silver bullet in yeah. any effort to get the church into full movement and impact. And when a guy like Alan Hirsch says there's something that is so core that it's almost a silver bullet, that's worth paying attention to. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had Alan Hurst uh, several years ago come and speak to our uh, pastors in our denominational setting and uh, someone asked him if he could change two things or the things that have held us back from being missional movements. Uh, it's kind of interesting because uh, he doesn't hold back when he speaks. And he says, he says, first of all, he said, ordination is of the devil. <laughs> in, in, in that we've put uh, those who are ordained on sort of a higher plane rather than uh, having the priesthood of all believers. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the second thing he said was, it's just disgraceful what we've done to women in the church where we've held them back from leading by their giftedness uh, based on their gender. And I, I realize today that there are different views on, on that. Uh, but this is what Hurst said. He said, uh, when we uh, look at the, the, the whole body and then start segmenting it so that some people are restricted or by, by tradition, uh, sort of held back from fully expressing the gift that maybe God gave to them, uh, he said, no, no wonder we, we, we find the church faltering at the best of times. Hmm. Wow. Uh, that would uh, be an interesting crowd to sit in as he spoke to denomination <laughs> leaders that way. Yeah. Specifically, you know, with, with, the, with the actual gifts and functions, I, this is a quote from, from, uh, from In the Way. It says, 
The recognition and esteem of the shepherding, pastoring, and teaching gifts have been elevated over the church's history, while the apostles and prophets have been marginalized. Yeah. This results in a church that is overwhelmingly biased towards teaching and shepherding. These are now both the primary expression of the life of the church and the primary equipping process for our leaders. Exactly. And so what happens, Tim, like what, what happens when when we're primarily equipped in, in shepherding and teaching, but not in you know, apostle, evangelist, yeah. prophet roles? What happens? Yeah, exactly. Well, well, we end up where we are. Uh, that, that's one thing. I think the second thing, you know, even just using that one, that perhaps people are very familiar with the, the one of evangelists. Uh, well, well, that is a specific gift that the scripture says we are all to do the work of evangelism, you know, sharing and spreading the good news as we cultivate the soil and plant seeds and things like that. Uh, but this is the challenge. Uh, we've really configured the church to maintain itself. We, and we saw this uh, during COVID and, and the struggles that churches went. We wanted to get back uh, where, we, we, where we were shepherded and taught. Uh, and we lost an opportunity for, for some of these other gifts to rise to the surface to try new things and uh, expand the status quo of our church experience. Oh, yeah, I'm still I'm still kind of reeling from from the missed opportunity, Tim, that we had there where, you know, again, we were in a different context. We were not in a facility based, you know big teaching, capital T, teaching-based context. So it was hard for us to get as excited about restrictions or uh, upset about restrictions because they didn't affect us really very much at all. And it didn't affect, apart from, you know, some of the conduct of people who carried the name of Christ, COVID didn't affect our ministry that much. We, We were still able to relate to people. We're still able to, you know, to be salt and light and perfume and all of that. Uh, It only really affected the emphasis we have in the large group gathering shepherd teaching role. That, exactly. That's what broke. And it seems like when that broke, the church as a whole broke. And that to me shows that we're, you know, we're, we're not operating in a, in a balanced way. It's like we're operating with a one-legged stool. And <laughs> when that leg breaks, we're in trouble. And I think, um, you know, many churches are still in the process of trying to reclaim, rebuild, uh, re-attract those people who perhaps have slipped away. But wouldn't it be wonderful if... Um, you know, around the leadership table, they took a good look and said, do we really want to just create what we had before? Uh, mm-hmm. Did that really honor the Lord? Um, and uh, I heard a statistic uh, that during COVID, the evangelical church shrank faster than the Catholic church, mm-hmm. uh, which I found quite interesting. I came out of uh, the, the uh, uh, Billy Graham Association. Uh, whereas you think, you know, because we are evangelistic in terms of the nature of our posture, mm. that, that uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't be reading that statistic, which which really surprised and saddened me as well. Oh yeah, that is, and, and I guess Tim, really, that just revealed that we're actually not evangelistic in our posture. We're evangelistic in our doctrine. We're evangelistic in our name, but that is not our posture. And and if we just include evangelistic under the umbrella of disciple making. We, we've moved towards preservation. We've moved towards exactly. protection. We've moved towards, you know, you know, a, a place of refuge in a negative sense, uh, cut off from the rest of the world. And, and, uh, that's, I think was revealed through COVID and even its aftermath where yeah. the, the battle to get back to this centralized setting, as opposed to making use of the opportunity we've been given to just yeah. be out there in the world. Uh, I, I don't want to say we've missed it completely, but, uh, I think we could have done a better job of making use of those opportunities. Yeah, and Scripture is quite clear when it says, 
you know, make the most of the opportunities that come your way just because, well, scripture says, well, because the days are evil, because just because, you know, the world isn't going to get any, uh, uh, you know, better or or just all of a sudden run into the church to find Jesus. Uh, it, it's tough times out there. And this is the opportunity for us to redefine, uh, restructure and redevelop our not only our understanding, but our commitment. And, and this is going to be tough work because we have to dismantle some scaffolds of, of the structures of the church, the legacy church as we know it, and to allow those who perhaps have been kept on the periphery, the sidelines, very frustrated they are in terms of, well, I've got this gift, but there's no place in the church for me to mm. use it, uh, to allow them to at least have a voice and at least invite them to the table to have a discussion. Yeah, you know, I, I I came across one organization, they looked at these five functions, and they said, we're going to make sure that our leadership team has people on it, who are who are strong in each of these areas. And I think that's, I think that's probably moved in the right direction. You know, when I think of team leadership, and what, what it means, and I've seen several different attempts at team leadership with varying degrees of success. Yeah, I think this could be a good model for true team leadership, because yeah. it, it represents a well rounded view of, of thinking, because you know, as as pointed out in the book, and maybe you want to go there now, Tim, when one of these roles dominates, things kind of go sideways. Yeah, and uh, I love what uh, da- Damien says. He says, you know, uh, in talking about these five, and, um, you know, it is not we like just reading out of the book, but this is really good stuff. He says, a church that's not breaking new ground and expanding beyond its current footprint is not effectively at, at creatively reaching its culture with the gospel and breaching the barriers of the gospel will eventually be static and stuck in forms that are ineffective when facing significant changes and they're unable to bridge across the cultures or successful traditions into new areas unless what? The gift of apostleship is used. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's just one out of the five. It, it, it's just an excellent description because most of the time, uh, we complain if we don't have good teaching or we don't have good shepherding in the church, mm-hmm. people say, well, I'm not fed and I'm not cared for. Uh, but but when was the last time someone said, boy, um, you know, we're not really living out our evangelistic potential or prophetic mm-hmm. uh, ministry or even, uh, as I just read, about apostleship. Uh, that just doesn't seem to be on church's radar, Darren. Mm-hmm. No, and again, there's there's multiple reasons for that. Uh, we're facility based, we're centralized, and so we will measure what goes on based on that centralized facility. And, and that, I think that's what's, you know, if if there's a slow breaking that's happening in the church, I think it's around that issue right now. I know of one church that was just before COVID uh, had a congregational vote to proceed with a very big building program, ninety eight percent approval, and then COVID hit. Yeah. And, you know, the church has since decreased in numbers and everything else. It's like, the question is now, should we even proceed with that in the, in life, that church? And I think maybe in the grace of God, it was God's way of saying, think about something else. Because the facility-based attractional model in an increasingly hostile culture isn't necessarily the best way to go. No, no. And uh, can you imagine if they had passed that vote a year before COVID and engaged contractors and builders and done their capital campaign only to then realize that they were actually growing in the wrong direction. Oh man. Yeah. Just, just a scary, scary. I mean, I'm just so grateful for that church that at least now they can revisit the question in a different context, you know, with, with a fuller, fuller data set about what the world's really like. 
yeah. you know, uh, we could, you know, unpack each of these in great detail. I, I would encourage our listeners to, yeah. to do that as well. But, you know, one thing that Damien unpacks as well is what each of these roles does, but yeah. how each of these roles, if it's overemphasized, you know, yeah. can really go sideways. You, you mentioned apostle, what's missing. But if an apostle is the dominant person, it can be very autocratic-driven context That's right. where yeah. people kind of get steamrollered because of always the forward-moving mission. You know, and I can resonate with that. And, you know, if I do a, you know, an inventory, this one shows up quite high for me. I can understand that. The Let's get going. Yeah. But we need the shepherds to make sure that the body yeah. is being cared for, too. Yeah. It's sort of like the personality styles. The apostle is like the... You know the 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 lion and the uh, if you think of Gary Smalley's the lion and, and the otter the golden retriever and the beaver, uh, the apostle is the one who's like the the uh, the lion. Let's go and and if that's taken to an extreme, uh, people actually feel uh, abused because they're they're not being cared for. They're just part of the project to get going and and do this. So each one of these you have to look. Uh, it has to be a blend. It's like going to the gym and exercising only one set of muscles day after day. And all of a sudden you got giant biceps way out of proportion for the rest of your body. So these all have to work together as the spirit has designed the body to work. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of, uh, one of the kind of places we land when we worked over this in our group the other day, you know, we looked at these five functions and said, you know what? Church as we know it, legacy church, can actually function in doing what it does quite well with dominance of the shepherd teacher role. Yeah. That model is built around the shepherd teacher role. Our facilities are built around the shepherd teacher role. You know, uh, it all points to that moment in, in the gathering where the teaching happens, but it's increasingly clear that a disciple making movement absolutely requires all five. Yeah, exactly. We can reach people, we can convert people and, and, you know, struggle at making disciples in a legacy church setting but I think to really thrive and have a multiplying movement, all of these functions need to be present in the body. That's and, and, you know, and I think that comes from, as you say, servicing people who've been suppressed, um, setting people free to, to function as God has, has wired them and gifted them, but also working collaboratively. You know, my, my, my favorite new phrase, Tim, I just came across it in my, you know, my study on this APEST. And it comes from, I think it comes from Damien Girk. Let me see if okay. I can quickly find it here. It's just a wonderful phrase. He says, in a disciple-making movement setting, believers are using their gifts in the context of, and this is the phrase I love, okay. a collaborative disciple-making community. Uh, that's, uh, that's my new favorite phrase, okay. a collaborative disciple-making community. That's, you know, before I, I couldn't have articulated it, but that's been my heart cry. That's what I want to see. That's, right. that's what we're trying to make, you know, move our, our ministry 12 church in that direction. But I think that really captures the heart of what's behind this APEST idea. Yeah. I guess the final question, what would it take to get us from here to there? <laughs> we, we could spend another hour speaking about that, but would, would there be some, uh, some baby steps to get us going in that direction? Yeah. Well, what we're, what we're doing and we, we've surfaced this as, as a real issue. And, you know, uh, Damien, who's been a mentor to me, says, you know what, as you multiply your groups, this becomes very important. Our entire group actually did, uh, you know, uh, an inventory tied to the APEST here just to see where people tend to function and we realize that we're really heavily weighted in the teaching shepherding areas, a uh, little, little less in evangelist. We only had one person who, who scored at all in the prophetic area and only one person in the apostle area. And okay. so one thing we're doing is because there's so many teachers and I'm, that's fairly strong in my world too. I don't need to do all the teaching. Yeah. 
And so, so for instance, I've talked to one person in our group who's a strong teacher, and we're talking about how to move him into a more of a teaching role, both online and in our groups. Uh, one of our, our ladies who's very gifted in the shepherding role actually did some fairly, fairly intense, quote, pastoral ministry this week, partly arising from that. And we're just starting to see how people are wired and encouraging them to move out in those directions. Yeah. And we know that it's going to be a matter of, you know, how do the gears sync up long term? But individually, people are moving in that and being encouraged to use gifts and passions that maybe they haven't had a chance to use. Yeah, exactly. But I think that that's a good place to uh, to land the plane today, Darren. Uh, again, we we've we're going deep into the the, the heart of the church, uh, Jesus Church, His body. Uh, it's by His design that the church has been gifted. And today, we've just been trying to allow certain gifts to rise to the surface that maybe have been submerged for for far too long. Any final comments, uh, Darren? Yeah, just I'll close with this quote again from 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 Damien. Every Christian is a potential catalyst to a disciple-making stream. There you go. Because of Christ in you, all of these functions, you have the potential to be a catalyst to a disciple-making movement. That, to me, is so encouraging and challenging. And that's where we're going to end our discussion today. Please uh, join us again, uh, my friend Darren Ride and I, Tim Beadle. Enjoy getting together to chew the fat around disciple-making each week. Uh, So join us again. May God bless you richly in these days. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.